Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reikley. What? Ben is a gog. <laughs> he doesn't... Yeah. No, he's not a god. He's a gog. <laughs> he doesn't know what to say. He never heard 470,000 jobs added and it's, joblessness go from 3.9% to 4%. But it's great but, if it's... Uh, those are the numbers, Mark. <laughs> if it's true. Plus, plus, plus. <laughs> it's great keep, if it's keep true. Keep on trucking. All right. Well, to be continued. All right. Well, welcome on board, everybody. I'm Mark Lawrence. We got the beyond a fabulous. What is superlative? That it would be our great producer this week, Kevin Hur. Oh. Kevin, we got a half a dozen emails here saying keep Kevin Hur as the producer, so we'll add that uh, to the list. Would you get him out of the Radio Hall of Fame? And Producers one, Hall of Fame? One from my lovely bride uh, who is uh, saying keep Kevin as producer, so hopefully we can impinge on Kevin's schedule more often. Uh, it is Financial Friday, which means we will be talking about uh, the jobless numbers, and we're going to talk about the job pipeline around here. Uh, Mr. Ben Reikley is uh, with us. And on the news line now, Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Mark. Good to be with you this morning. And you have it on the line, Art Thomas as well, who's chairman of the chamber and the president of MECTEC and Diversified uh, Construction. And he, we talked to him a month ago about the child care issues. He schooled us on that. So we'll be talking to him and Bob again about that. Uh, Art, uh, thanks for calling in today. Good morning, Mark. Hey, did you say, uh, how, I missed it, how many jobs were created? 470,000 is the number I and heard. Did, okay, did we go from 4 to 3.9, or did we go from 3.9 to 4? I think it was 3.9. 3.9 to 4. Uh, yeah, 3.9 okay. to 4. So this Thank well, you. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, we'll have to morning. look into these numbers, but uh, positive positive numbers, and I know we have some guests to talk about some things, but Bob, uh, your initial thoughts. Well, uh, my initial thoughts is I've got to stop doing these uh, what to watch for, uh, Ben. <laughs> I, I uh, got up early this morning because everything was so uh, malleable, so crazy last evening with the predictions, and everybody was wrong. Mm -hmm. Everyone from ADP who said we're going to lose 200,000 jobs to Dow Jones who said we would gain 150,000 jobs they all missed, and they missed by a big amount, uh, in this case, at 460,000, uh, 467,000 jobs. Uh, I'm glad that Art asked for that clarification, because I could have heard the uh, person on the uh, on the national news saying that the the rate went up from 4% to 3.9%. Wait a second. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but thank you for the clarification, uh, uh, Ben. Well, Bob, Bob it's, it, we go back to... Where do they get these numbers from, good or bad? How does ADP, which I'm going to sort of say, hold it, ADP is a private organization. Their information is for sale. Their data is for sale. I mean, like Bloomberg News, you know, when you see Bloomberg, I mean, that, that financial data is for sale. Mm -hmm. Private companies usually have to be 
right on to uh, make their uh, value, you know, their data valuable for people to buy. So if ADP prediction was losing 200, they they missed this by over 660,000. Something, uh, say something stinks, and it's not the cheese in Denmark here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, uh, my first response, uh, Ben, is the caveat emporum. You know, be careful what you buy uh, because they could be dead wrong. And oh they yeah, certainly dead wrong on this one. Yeah, this is very positive uh, for uh, for the country. I mean, if if this is if if all the financial Bob, what financial people say we're going to gain jobs in a big way. I heard one hundred and sixty thousand, roughly, and now we're up to there. So somebody's really missing the boat, and that's not fair to all the people who look at these government numbers. So hopefully the government numbers are correct. That's very positive for us. But the question would be, even when these numbers are low or down, where we say this is bad, hold it, are those numbers correct? Yeah. Well, I, I think the other uh, the other thing we have to, you know, I, I think you've seen the top of my forehead, and you can see I have all my hair scratched off from scratching my head so much, because uh, <laughs> Uh, honestly, how, how can you read in one paragraph uh, about the great resignation? 4.5 million people have resigned and then get data the next day that says that half a million people were hired. Uh, so, okay, well, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the great resignation or possibly it's just the great uh, reassignment. Uh, folks are just moving around uh, looking for better opportunities because, as you did here, I mean, uh, everybody is hiring right now, and there's just not enough people out there. With you know, we we know we have about sixty people for all for each of the one hundred. We have sixty unemployed people for each of the one hundred jobs that exist. And I don't know if you've had a chance to look at my uh, what to watch for this morning, but unbelievable numbers. Montour County is down to 2.8% unemployment. 2.8%. Who ever heard of that number? Uh, unemployment. By the way, in Montour County, that's about 75 people uh, looking for work uh, in the entire county. All of our counties put together, uh, you know, Union at 3.2%, Snyder at 3.4%, Northumberland at 4.5%. Uh, our region clearly is leading the state um, as, as far as low unemployment rates. I also would go as far to say that uh, it's interesting that Montour County has the lowest unemployment rate in the state and the highest vaccination rate. Uh, you remember uh, we used to talk about being uh, Pennsylvania, or too often we were on the on the top of all the wrong lists, and, or yeah, on the top of all the wrong lists and on the bottom of all the right lists. Well, that's where you want to be. You want to be the lowest unemployment and the highest vac- uh, vaccinated rate right now. And he was. Some people do. Some people do. You got to be vaccinated. Uh, Art, quick reaction to what you see. You follow the jobs market uh, locally as well. Your reaction to the jobless numbers? Well, I think the jobless numbers that Bob just pointed out are lower than they ever were under Trump. They say that four percent is full employment, so we're fully employed and have no problems. I guess. I think when we find, when we hear of someone who wants to get a job and is unable to get one, we'll know that things have changed. Until then, I think it's got to be all about the participation rate. We've talked about it many times, and I guess we need to talk about it again today. Those who are looking for work, 
we're at 3.9% or 4%, but we must have a whole lot of people that aren't looking for work. All right, yet uh, labor participation rate looks like it uh, went up uh, slightly. Yep, it went up uh, three tenths. Ten, yeah, three tenths of a point. That's not too bad. 62.2%. So that could have claimed but the 400. What, what do you say? That would be a factor in the 470,000 jobs. Well, it is 8.40 a.m., and we promised at this time uh, we would talk to Dr. Julie Byerly. She is president and dean of the Geisinger Commonwealth uh, School of... Uh, the uh, president dean of the Geisingwell Commonwealth School of Medicine, and uh, she's on the news list with newsline with us now. Dr. Byerly, good morning, and thank you for calling in. Good morning, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we'll do the same thing to you <laughs> we did to Art and Bob. Just a quickie reaction to not only the latest jobless numbers. We saw the jobless rate increase to four percent, so that's up slightly. But 470,000 jobs created. But then tie it to what we really want to talk about today, which is the fact that uh, more students are needed and uh, uh, healthcare-oriented employers are looking for workers. So welcome aboard. We'll let you do a, a sort of an opening remark. Thank you so much. I, um, when the job market is as open as it is, um, we need to encourage people to pursue careers in the areas we need them to work, and we need people working in healthcare. Uh, we have so much work that we could do. We need nurses and doctors. We need uh, people to work in social work and pharmacy and mental health care and it's really exciting for me to be at Geisinger Commonwealth where we're trying to facilitate that work by inspiring our young people to consider health care for careers and providing means for them to do so through educational programs. Are you getting the students you need? Are enough students signing up? Fortunately, they are. Um, we have uh, good application numbers to medical school. Despite the challenges of the pandemic, people still want to become doctors and nurses. However, we need all kinds of people to become doctors and nurses and others who work in healthcare. And we need the road to working in healthcare is sometimes long. Physician training, you know, can be six or seven or eight or 10 years. And we need uh, young people to see themselves working in the caring professions, helping to, to care for the aging population that exists throughout our country and to care for one another in the hands-on way that only humans can do. Um, healthcare is not going to be automated. Um, we're going to need doctors, nurses, and others in healthcare uh, forever. Bob, I'll hand it over to you with the proviso that you talk about the fact that uh, what Dr. Byerly and the, and the Geisinger School are doing is really uh, launching and nurturing the beginning of the end of what we hope is a critical work shortage in health care. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate Dr. Byerly pointing out that, uh, that health care is one of the places where automation will only get us so far. Uh, that we really we need compassionate uh, people coming into the healthcare industry at all levels, uh, at all times. And I also appreciate she points out that it's a long row uh, to hoe, uh, and and uh, that's a row that uh, we're very familiar with at the chamber. And today at noon, we're going to be talking about the work that we're doing with our local community college. You were good enough to mention that in January you had Art Thomas our uh, chairman of our board of directors on to talk about early learning 
Uh, you know, really, uh, what we need to understand is that careers begin uh, far earlier than we used to think. Uh, that that pipeline starts uh, uh, in the prenatal stages. In fact, um, certainly through early learning, uh, passes through our second post, our secondary education into a post-secondary, and then preparing folks for careers. I'm I'm thrilled to hear Dr. Byerly say that it looks like the pipeline currently coming in. Uh, to the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine uh, is still flowing nicely, um, and uh, and I also would like to uh, see if uh, if the good doctor would tell us a little bit about uh, the Geisinger Commonwealth uh, School of Medicine. A lot of listeners, Mark, may not even know that it exists. A uh, school that's headquartered in uh, Scranton, uh, however, they have campuses uh, all over Central Pennsylvania. In fact, they refer to the Geisinger. Uh, camp uh, that you know the, the campus in Danville as their central campus. So um, I wonder, uh, Mark, if that would be okay if we would ask the doctor to uh, tell us a little bit more about how the the, the school works and how folks are getting involved with it. Yep, uh, we'll let you and uh, Art talk directly to her for a short time here, uh, Doctor Byerly. Please uh, uh, elaborate Thank on, you. on that. So Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine is a fabulous medical school that um, graduates 115 new doctors a year. Uh, it's well supported by the community, certainly in Scranton, but also throughout northeastern Pennsylvania, as was mentioned. Um, we have some really innovative programs trying to keep the workforce that we educate in the northeastern Pennsylvania region. You know, one of the limitations on doctors' education is cost. Many doctors graduate with lots of debt. In fact, on average in the United States, when a person graduates from medical school, they carry over $200,000 worth of debt. Well, Geisinger understands that that limits people's career choices and it limits where they live. And so we have a program called the Abigail Scholars where Geisinger funds the tuition and, in fact, a living stipend for up to 40 or so medical students each year who commit to a career in primary care or psychiatry working for Geisinger. So it's essentially a loan repayment program um, where students can graduate from medical school debt-free if they stay in our region and work for Geisinger in fields that we need. It's an incredibly innovative program and students really can live their best life as a primary care doctor in the Geisinger system because of all the innovative programs we offer geared toward making better health easier. It's an amazing place to be. It's actually what drew me to this school. Bob and Art will let you uh, talk directly to uh, Dr. Byerly. Yeah, I, I'm uh, Dr. Byerly is it's great to uh, hear your voice, and uh, we look forward to meeting you sometime soon. Uh, we are uh, aware uh, that we have some uh, local uh, products of, uh, of the greater Susquehanna Valley, uh, uh, young men in this case, who we've known a long, long time uh, by name, Ben Apple and uh, Chris Conroy, are both uh, products of our local valley, and we really appreciate uh, what you and the, uh, the Commonwealth uh, School of Medicine is doing to uh, expose our local folks and bring them into what, what you refer to as their best life as uh, doctors, uh, white coats right here in the greater Susquehanna Valley. So thank you for that good work. I'll turn it over to uh, Art Thomas, the chairman of our board of directors, uh, to uh, follow up with any questions he might have. Thank you. 
Hi, Dr. Byerly. Thank you for being on with us today. My question to you uh, is around the skilled nursing environment. Uh, we've heard how the baby boomers are now into full, full-blown retirement mode. So the first half of the boomers are 65 to 70, and they're really enjoying life if they didn't uh, blow all their money in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, but over the next 15 to 25 years, as the rest of the boomers retire, the skilled nursing world is going to get even more demanding than it is right now. And I, I don't need to lecture anybody on this call about the shortages in skilled nursing. Uh, any thoughts on, on that environment? Well, you're right to point out the challenges, and that is one of the many reasons that the broad array of careers in healthcare should be appealing to young people um, because there will be lots and lots of jobs available in compassionate care of our elderly and otherwise needy populations. And in nursing, as a nurse assistant, in um, healthcare administration, there's so much work that we can do as a community to care for those who have helped to build our communities. It's a way of, of giving back um, to those who have helped establish the benefits of the communities that we all live and work in. And I hope that our young people will see the need to give to their communities and um, and help us expand care delivery options for um, for the aging population. In addition, we need to do all the pipelines. That aging do you think the pipelines is full that needs to be right now to serve that part of the industry? Yes. So um, we need to expedite the training of uh, nurses and nurses' assistants who can work in skilled nursing facilities, and we need to inspire young people into um, those service-oriented careers and facilitate that education in efficient and effective ways for them. All right. Well, I'll step in here. Uh, Dr. Byerly, any additional remarks, something important to add, maybe we didn't ask you, but really contributes uh, to this conversation about getting uh, people to consider going to med school, to go ahead and uh, to say yes, and then to sign up at Geisinger. Go ahead. Thanks. Um, the REACH High program is a pipeline program that extends into the communities and schools and allows middle schoolers and high schoolers to see themselves in the health professions. You know, health professions are a blend of science and service, and we need to academically prepare young people in science and help them gain the skills and education they need and then inspire them into compassionate service. And in healthcare, there's so many ways you can blend that science and service to make the world a better place. So. I hope lots of young people will consider doing that. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We have your good staffers email. We will invite you back uh, with or without so uh, the, the chamber on board because we think there's really a, a lot's got to be uh, talked about this. Uh, so we will check in again. Thank you so much, Dr. Byerly. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. That is uh, Dr. Julie Byerly. She is uh, the president of the and dean of the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. You remember that started as the School of Medicine up in Scranton, as she alluded, and then Geisinger uh, was able to uh, further amplify what they are doing there. 
Uh, we're going to come back with our wrap-up of the jobless reaction, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the important initiatives and activities of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we'll take your emails or uh, texts if you wish to weigh in on our program. You can email us at onthemarket.com, and you can text us at 70236. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Fabulous producer Kevin Herr on the uh, great bumper music there. Hall of Famer. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Bob and Art, wrap us up. you got four minutes to tell us what in the world else is going on. Bob, give us your best Larry Kudlow. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hey, I, I'm just catching my breath. I was dancing along with that bumper music and uh, uh, just getting seated right back. But, hey, let me tell you about what's coming up um, at the chamber before I do that, though. So, uh, let me uh, just uh, one shout out to uh, Dr. Byerly and to the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. That was very heartening to hear that uh, at the School of Medicine, the pipeline seems to be flowing well. Um, and that uh, that just sort of puts an exclamation point on the fact that uh, we got to keep doing what we're doing. And that is uh, getting students aligned and in that pipeline flowing into our local colleges and universities. Um, you know, while this is a campus that this is a college that based is based in Scranton, uh, their key center is in Danville, right in our backyard. So those are doctors, those are white coats that are going to save your life and mine when that day comes. Hey, coming up today, governmental affairs. Please, 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 uh, gsvcc.org. Um, we're hoping to have Senator Gordner with us. Uh, he's going to give us right right from the floor of the Senate what's going on with reapportionment. Today is game day mm-hmm. when it comes to what the districts are going to look like uh, for uh, the next decade here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So uh, tune into that. Then we'll have Susan Spry, the acting president of Luzerne County Community College, going to be talking about our burgeoning uh, community college up in Watsontown and uh, the campus that's been in Shemokin for well over 20 years now, as well as the campus in Berwick. Um, she will be followed up by Bernadette Borkel. Uh, Dr. Borkel is with uh, CSIU and is going to be talking about uh, all of the different opportunities that CSIU and LCCC have put together uh, in early college and for people, uh, local people to get into college as, as well as to articulate, if you will, uh, from our vocational schools to the community college to our local colleges, et cetera, et cetera. Then coming up uh, on the 17th is our Young Professional Leadership Susquehanna Valley Meetup um, uh, on Main Street. Uh, we'll have a tour of the Watson Town campus of Luzerne County Community College, and then we'll 
go down the street to the Watson Inn. Uh, we'll be following all CDC guidelines on the day of that event um, there. So there will be some masks, and we will ask people to stay seated. And, and you know, let's, let's uh, remember we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and let's be safe with that. Then on February 25th is our hospitality lunch and learn. This is a virtual hospitality um, themed lunch and learn. This is our former monthly meetings where we're going to focus on um, uh, the importance of uh, being hospitable, whether you're in person or virtual, um, and some tips on how to be hospitable and welcoming. Uh, then uh, March 11th uh, will be our annual economic forecast with Dr. Ani Baran Basu. Uh, that'll be virtual. Everybody is invited. We hope to have hundreds of folks on that. And then I'm going to stop with uh, May 4th, uh, and may the 4th be with you. Uh, we are annual meetings and aware uh, annual meeting and award ceremony. Uh, that'll be an in-person event. Um, we'll be into the second quarter. Then we think we'll be safe to be in person in a large group by then at the Pine Barn Inn over in Danville. And I'll let uh, I'll turn it over to. Art, uh, Mark, if I may, to, to wrap us up. Art, you got 20 seconds. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, I'll take five. How do I follow up what Bob had to say? I've got nothing to add today. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's quite all right. We'll see you next time. We'll mm -hmm. see you in a month, if not sooner. We're going to be following up on our child care conversation, and we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, of course, the, the community college center that the chamber operates and the Susquehanna Valley Community College uh, effort is uh, really steamrolling mm -hmm. through the valley now, so lots happening on all of this. And, of course, the Commonwealth Medical School uh, from Geisinger, working at Geisinger and Danville. Thank you, Bob and Art. Thank you both so much for checking in today. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate you it. Have a good day. Yeah, thank you so much right. uh, for all your work. Uh, that is uh, Bob Garrett at the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of uh, Commerce and Art Thomas, the chairman of the chamber. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reikley. talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Uh, Kevin Herr is our fabulous producer this morning and uh, we're glad to say that Ben Reikley is on the other side of the table here both figuratively and politically but uh, <laughs> we're both looking for solutions and trying to find some middle ground so we thank everybody for listening. We thank Art Thomas and Bob Garrett and Dr. Julie Byerly for being on the first half of our program. On the second half of uh, we're on the first half of our second hour this morning Morning. We're going to talk to Dr. G-Train Drew, and he is a professor of political science and international relations within the Department of Political Science at uh, Bucknell University. So, Dr. Drew, thank you so much for calling in this morning. We're very glad to talk to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Give me some sort of a sense. Uh, we're going to talk about China and the Olympics and uh, human rights issues and sort of China's international stance right now. If our audience thinks, okay, well, there's international or there's human rights issues in China, so hopefully they can deal with that and the, and the globe puts some pressure on them to do that. Give our audience some sort of a sense of the complexity that's really going on in China right now with the opening ceremonies underway and some of the political issues and the human rights issues. Uh, give us a sense of all that at play here? 
Well, yes, you summarized it very well. I mean, it, uh, it, it's not a simple, simple Olympic Games. It involves a lot of things, a lot of issues, human rights, you know, diplomacy. You know. The United States announced uh, the diplomatic boycott last December. So China's human rights situation, especially uh, in Xinjiang and Hong Kong, has received more media coverage and public attention. However, you know, Team USA is attending and competing in Beijing now. So I think uh, probably most Americans are not even aware that the U.S. is boycotting the game diplomatically. And also, I think international politics is also uh, at play. I mean, uh, we all know that Russia has been um, criticized recently for threatening to invade Ukraine. And of course, China and United States have a very difficult relationship now. But uh, President Putin of Russia is in China now, showing solidarity between China and Russia. And of course, in China, uh, later this year, there will be a major party convention. Uh, this is a five-year five event. Uh, during the convention, the party leadership will be chosen for the next five years. And President Xi Jinping is hoping to uh, have his third term. So this is a very um, uh, sensitive moment and also a very critical moment uh, for China and for President Xi himself. And also I have to mention that uh, these uh, games um, are taking place during the Chinese uh, New Year. So for many Chinese, you know, this is something like a double happiness. So the games will uh, boost uh, Chinese nationalism to a great extent. So these games are very complicated and involving lots of issues here. If we're going to talk about human rights issues, what are we discussing? We notice that there's a lot of folks that are suddenly getting informed on Chinese human rights issues saying, oh, maybe I don't want to watch the Olympics like I was going to, or uh, I feel that there might be a taint on the games. Give our audience, if we're talking about human rights issues in China, uh, give our audience some information to go on. Okay. So, you know, if you remember, you know, 2008, when China was hosting uh, the Summer Olympics, you know, uh, China was also criticized for its human rights uh, problem uh, in Tibet. But this time around, uh, the focus has been on Xinjiang, uh, where the Uyghur, Uyghur uh, Muslim groups uh, are living, you know, uh, based on uh, different uh, uh, reports, you know, uh, many uh, Uyghurs have been uh, uh, locked down. Uh, uh, locked up uh, by uh, the uh, authorities in those so-called re-educational uh, facilities. Some people call them uh, concentration camps. Uh, the U.S. government even called it a genocide. And of course, the Chinese government and many others uh, dispute that. But I think uh, overall, uh, human rights situation is uh, very serious. Uh, we all know that uh, China has a tight control uh, over its society. and. Dissidents are silenced, and uh, uh, right now, of course, with the COVID, uh, you have a, a zero COVID policy. Uh, you have all these tight measures uh, in place. So uh, human rights groups have raised a lot of concerns about uh, the situation in China. Uh, that's why the uh, U.S. government uh, wanted to uh, send a signal to China to uh, express its dissatisfaction uh, uh, over the human rights issue. Uh, but I think the boycott probably is more symbolic than uh, substantive. However, many, uh, many Americans, uh, for the first time perhaps, heard about this situation, and they are genuinely concerned about uh, human rights in China. As a result, perhaps some Americans uh, will decide not to uh, watch the games, and they have become more critical of Chinese policies. 
On the other hand, I think perhaps uh, most people will continue to watch the games. I don't think they're going to just not watch the games because of China's human rights record. As a matter of fact, the other day, actually, President Biden said you know, he would watch the games and cheer for our athletes over there. Um, so I think for most people, you know, they are aware that uh, the human rights conditions are just terrible in China right now. But at the same time, uh, many people, including the athletes, probably will just continue to uh, enjoy the games and have fun. Dr. Chu, this is Ben Reichley. Uh, I just caught literally one minute, maybe a minute and 30 seconds this morning of the Olympics. It's the opening ceremonies. Very interesting. Taiwan and Hong Kong entered the stadium back-to-back to cheering crowds. And this is hand-picked crowds by the Communist Party of China. But it was interesting, and the announcers even noted that the applause for the delegation from Taiwan and the delegation from Hong Kong. Uh, well, yes. The, uh, uh, Taiwan uh, participates uh, in the international events under the name, very unique name, called Chinese Taipei. You know, uh, They cannot use the name Taiwan. So that has been agreed upon by the International Olympic Committee and uh, both the Chinese and Taiwanese uh, uh, sports authorities. And Hong Kong, of course, uh, is, uh, is a special, um, a special region of China, so it can participate you know, under the name of Hong Kong, China. Uh, yes, from a Chinese government's perspective, you know, both Hong Kong and Chi- uh, Taiwan are part of China. Uh, but of course, uh, in, in, in Taiwan, you know, especially nowadays, you know, uh, many people over there think that uh, they are not uh, Chinese anymore and they are not part of China. So this is also a very controversial issue, of course, not just for China, but also uh, for international relations. Yeah, and Dr. Uh, Looking at that, when you say that, my well, next question would be the area of Asia. You, you just hit on the Asia. So the relationship with Vietnam, Malaysia, and particularly Australia has been very contentious for the Chinese in the last year, year and a half, but even going back farther. Yes. Um, again, if you look at uh, uh, you know, development in China, uh, from a historical perspective. You know, in 2008, uh, when China was hosting the Summer Olympics, so that was uh, 14 years ago. So today, you know, actually Chinese economy was, Chinese economy is three times as big as uh, the economy at, uh, in 2008. So China has become more powerful. And uh, the, the, the nation has become um, more nationalistic. At the same time, of course, Chinese policies have become more assertive. So that's why you, know, you see uh, you know, a lot of tensions going on over there. You know, China's relations with, with Japan, with India, with Australia have become uh, very difficult in recent years. Uh, I think you know, if you ask me why, I mean, you know, both sides are to blame. You know, I think China uh, needs to be more sensitive uh, and need to tone down its uh, aggressive uh, posture and uh, policies. On the other hand, you know, I think other nations also need to get used to the rising power of China and do not exaggerate, you know, the threat from China. I mean, and basically, I think uh, these countries uh, share common interests. I think they all want to have a peaceful environment. They all want to have the economies to continue to grow, and these countries also want to leave, continue to raise the living standards of the people. So, obviously, they have many common interests. But I think, you know, it's easier said than done, of course. You know, international politics, they tend to see... Uh, threat from others. They, these countries are suffering from the so-called security dilemma. You know, 
if one country has become more powerful, more uh, aggressive, then the others will feel threatened. And so the mutual perception here is very important. I think, you know, they tend to uh, look at each other in a negative light. Negative light. I hope that, you know, they can uh, uh, look at each other more positively and seek common ground. So, uh, you know, peace and prosperity will prevail in Asia and around the world. And when that happens, uh, will human rights abuses uh, subside? Will China get on board uh, with the pressure from the globe to go ahead and be a, you know, a, a global superpower, you know, economic force, but to also say, uh, in terms of our people and in terms of the most marginalized of our people, we're going to raise them up to and somehow uh, be sort of a kinder China? Could that be possible in the decades ahead? I think so. I mean, again, if you look at uh, what has happened in China in the past few decades, I mean, I think you know, uh, overall China is moving in the right direction. Now, first of all, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, yes, China has lifted about 800 million people out of poverty uh, in just in the past three decades. I mean, that's remarkable. Uh, has China done enough uh, to, uh, you know, help? all groups within China, especially those ethnic groups and Tibetans, Uyghurs? The answer is no. I think definitely China can do a much better job. So this boils down to how uh, Western countries should approach China. Uh, I think, you know, again, by criticizing China, pressuring China uh, all the time, it may not help because I think it's going to be counterproductive because in China, nationalism is very strong. And... Uh, Many people, especially young people, think that these Western criticisms of China are Western conspiracies to curb China's growth. I think a better approach is to engage China, continue to talk to China uh, through exchanges, through interactions. Perhaps we can shape China's uh, future development. And uh, again, um, I think today you know, China has made a lot of achievements, but there are lots to be done. And uh, through cooperation, I think more can be achieved in China, and I think China can and will become more peaceful, more democratic in the future. Doctor, an interesting uh, international political and and, uh, philanthropist and uh, moneymaker, George Soros, has recently talked about the possibility of Chairman Xi being ousted possibly by people within the Communist Party. You talk about the, um, I guess, the uh, National Party coming up their five-year uh, reorganization. Is there any possibilities? Do you, do you see uh, the chairman losing his power, or do you see his power maybe getting diluted? Because he's somewhat been appointed for almost life in the last two or three years by the Communist Party. Right. Right. Uh- I mean, uh, Soros and others uh, may have their views. Uh, I, I, I don't know <laughs> where, how they come to that conclusion, you know. But I think, uh, based on my observation, uh, Xi Jinping uh, is, uh, is uh, very, you know, his power base is very solid right now. I mean, is there any challenge to his position? Of course, you know. I mean, the Communist Party always has this internal power struggle. But right now, I think Xi has consolidated his power. Uh, I would be surprised if he will not be elected for a third term in the fall. Um, by all indications, uh, he will stay in power for a while, uh, maybe even beyond five years. And uh, again, um, if you look at the, the, the domestic uh, 
support base. Actually, Xi Jinping and the Communist Party in general enjoy a tremendous uh, support base. I mean, these st- studies have done by uh, Westerners, by Harvard University, by this think tank in D.C. They found out that uh, over 90% of the people in China support the government. I mean, you can take those uh, studies uh, with a grain of salt, you know, but, uh, uh, but I think it is probably true that, you know, the party does enjoy widespread support. I mean, just look at the economy, you know, looking at how the party has uh, increased, you know, improved the living standards of people, and how the party, how the government has tried to control the pandemic. I mean, they talk about this all the time, you know. Look at the United States, okay, how have we done here? How many, uh, how many cases, how many deaths we have? Uh, how many uh, cases and how many deaths China has so far? So uh, they do the comparison, and uh, Xi Jinping has comparatively done a better job than many of other world leaders. So he's sec- I think his position in China is secure, no matter how people outside China are looking at him, you know, whether he's a dictator, whether he's an authoritarian leader, you know, Domestically, actually, uh, uh, he enjoys quite uh, strong support, and I, I, I believe that he will stay in power uh, for some time. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that, uh, and we invite you to call us again. We'll invite you back. It won't be too long from now. We'll be able to have guests in person again here. And plus, uh, I was allowed back on the Bucknell campus yesterday. Visitors allowed again, all masking all the time, but uh, it was great to be back at the Management 101 class yesterday, so I was glad we could resume the in-person classes there. Dr. G. Chain Drew, thank you so much for being available today and for all your insights. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. We Thank do you. appreciate that. Yeah, Dr. G. Chain Drew is a professor of political science and international relations in the Department of Political Science and the Department of International Relations at Bucknell University. So we appreciate him making himself available this morning for our conversation. All right, we will take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have to scan some brief news headlines here. We'll list the road closures around here. And we'll do a quick check-in with the Olympics because we know that they are lighting the cauldron. (laughs) Kevin is so obsessed with this, he watches it live on the phone all the time so he knows what's happening there and we'll talk about our uh, issues of the day in the u.s uh, coming up on wkok's on the mark uh, we want you to know on the mark is sponsored by the sunbury motor company they're a family-owned dealership since 1915 fourth street sunbury and routes 11 and 15 hummels wharf do as ben is doing as kevin is doing as i am doing go down to sunburymotors.com or or sunburymotors.com on the web and or go down to 4th Street in Sunbury or Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. That's where Kevin got his Kia. He talked to Ernie and Austin over there, and they hooked mm-hmm. him up and uh, put him in a perfect... Good uh, man there. Good salesman. Kia all-wheel drive, a small SUV that gets great gasoline mileage, even though Kevin hates it. He has it on sport mode all the time. Uh, Jeff Clock is down at the Sunbury Motor Company on 4th Street. And, of course, Jason is the one that's uh, put me in all these other vehicles. We were in a new Bronco, the one with the lift kit already on it. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Oh, excellent. Yeah, no, uh, no Ben. Emperor will put you in the truck that makes you feel as manly as you want to And, of course, they got small vehicles. they got a couple electric e-Mustangs on order, so they'll be in shortly. And uh, we just invite folks to do what we've done, drive around in a Sunbury Motors vehicle. Visit them first at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line now open, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. 
There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it's cold outside, stay in and enjoy the complete at-home experience with SECB Internet powered by Plumehole Home Wi-Fi and TiVo Stream. Warm up with blazing internet speeds up to one gig, giving you faster, smoother streaming and downloading on all of your devices. Replace your router with Plume and blanket your home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi. And with TiVo Stream, bring together all your live, recorded, and streaming entertainment into a single experience. Stay home, stay connected. Call SECB or visit secb.com. The celebration of all things chocolate returns to Lewisburg with the 2022 Chocolate Lovers Festival and Tour on February 5th. Tickets are now available and it all benefits the Donald Heater Community Center. The Chocolate Tour will offer 10 chocolate tastings from local and regional bakeries and candy makers for only $10. Get the chocolate packaged in one box and pick up at one location. Visit donaldheater.org or their Facebook page for ticket information. Thanks to sponsors Evangelical Community Hospital, Bowen Agency Realtors, Betsy Henkelman, Pickwright, Citizens Electric, Rose Pools, and Service Electric cable vision. With Joe Biden and the radical Democrats pushing their socialist agenda, Pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the United States Senate. Carla Sands is a MAGA conservative who served on President Trump's foreign policy and economic teams. With deep roots in central Pennsylvania, Carla Sands shares our conservative values. Carla Sands is a Christian and a pro-life mom who will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. MAGA conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. in here too did they did they open the big fortune cookie it's getting warm in here i thought the i thought the fortune cookie would open and there would be a message to the world well that would give i I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night oh you did first first night of coverage i was catching up on all my dvr stuff (laughs) it's better than driving back from central mountain which (laughs) almost the same (laughs) always the same okay Uh, just as late yeah kevin always works on three hours sleep and no nap (laughs) yeah i was gonna say central mountain and seals go 
boys played last night, I believe. Well, they were supposed they were supposed to wrestle last night. They're oh, supposed wrestle. to play tonight. Okay. Uh, the wrestling match got postponed. We're hearing that the basketball game is too, but nothing mm-hmm. official yet. Still, okay. still checking on that. But okay. the uh, the flame was really lit. Cool. Uh, there was a snowflake in the middle of the uh, the middle of the uh, bird's nest, which is the mm-hmm. uh, 08 Summer Olympics uh, venue, and they're using it again. The torch was placed in the middle of the snowflake. That becomes now the cauldron for, or at least part of the cauldron anyway, for the Olympics. And inside the snowflake were little snowflakes, and each one had the name of every participating country in it. So, Kevin, tell me, so we got snow and fire close together. Yeah. How's this working? Well, they're making an awful lot of snow in in Beijing. Let's put Mm -hmm. it that way. Beijing is using a lot of of man-made snow machines. 2008 Olympics, uh, Seals Grove athletic legend Kelly Smith yes. played on the field hockey team there. Her parents enjoyed the Olympics, and I was even told they could have a Budweiser or two while, while they were there. The games. <laughs> not, not, I don't know if it's happening this year. Yeah, no, 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 no but interesting, this year. interesting. We Chinese talked to the doctor only. about that, but the uh, crowd applause for the Taiwan team, Chinese Taipei, and the Hong Kong team that when they walked in. Very interesting. <laughs> All right. All right. We have to do some very brief news headlines. Hold on, Stan. Uh, we do have some road closures around here because of flooding. Uh, Shakespeare Road, Route 45, the Hamilton Underpass at Sunbury, Swangle Road, Creek Road, North 15th Street in Lewisburg, White Deer Pike at the bridge, Furnace Road, Stage Road, Penns Drive, Lepley Road, Stecker Mill Road, among those roads closed. You can read the full details at WKOK.com. Check uh, 511PA.com before you head out. PennDOT says they still have the Tier 1 restrictions in place on I-80 and Route 180. Uh, that means a ban on certain commercial trucks, passenger vehicles, towing trailers, no double tractor trailers today. Ben's got a double tractor trailer coming in uh, with sports memorabilia today. That's going to be postponed. RVs, motorhomes, school buses all delayed today, and no more motor coaches. No okay. double, uh, no triples either, I'd love Smarty. to have double, uh, double bay, uh, tractor trailer of ductile iron or PVC pipe. Is that what you <laughs> that need? That would be excellent. Yeah, that would be, yeah, they would like that on Reagan Street in Sunbury, too. They desperately need that. And you thought you'd get around it by sneaking in the triple trailer, but they <laughs> caught that, so they said no. Hey, the Lewisburg Ice Festival is still scheduled. It's uh, going to be anybody's Perfect guess. Perfect day, right? Whether or not we're going to be able to do the plunge. We think it's going to be the best plunge ever. It certainly okay. could be the biggest. We've had an amazing registration totals, and usually a lot of people show up that day, which we can accept. The weather's looking good for it. Of course, uh, Chief Blount will make a determination that day to make sure that it's safe. And the Susquehanna River was at about 4 feet yesterday. It's going to crest at about 7.5 feet. So that's a 3-foot difference. That crest will come tomorrow when they hope to do the plunge. So uh, Jamie Blunt, uh, the reference uh, there, the fire chief at William Cameron Engine Company, he'll make that final determination. Uh, But they have plunged when the river's at Mm -hmm. about 7 feet. So uh, it's it's only going to be up a few feet, but there'll be ice moving. Perfect weather for the ice festival. Well, it's going to be muddy and fast, so oh. you got to be careful. Well, tomorrow's supposed to be, what, 26 and sunny, so you hope 
they can, should be able to do that. We have the details at WKOK.com. All right, the COVID-19 trends, uh, deaths, as our newsroom rather in, uh, in uh, insensitively referred it to as still piling up in Pennsylvania, <laughs> 171 new statewide. I kid you not, this is, that's, <laughs> what, what's that say? What's the first sentence of that story? Uh, yeah, yeah. Deaths are piling up. Maybe, okay. maybe adding. Yeah, up. I think so. There's got to be a more sensitive way. But anyway, uh, but hospitalizations continue dropping. Overall cases still uh, going way down as the Omicron surge gets behind us. One other item, Penn Live reporting this morning, a bill to help gun, gun owners and gun rights groups seek civil damages from governmental bodies that pass strict firearm restrictions was vetoed by the governor yesterday. This is that end around the legislature tried to do before any municipality that enacts a gun law that's stricter than the state law. Uh, that would be illegal under this bill. The governor said, nope, local municipalities should be able to address uh, gun issues as they see fit, very as long as the law itself is constitutional. Yeah, very similar to the energy legislation that Gene Yaw is backing, where local communities cannot discriminate against certain... Oh, during housing construction? No, no, during certain forms of energy. All right. All right, with that, we'll open up the line to a man who uh, whose subject is guns, and we saw Governor Wolf veto that yesterday, so now local municipalities can impose a stricter gun restriction as long as it's constitutional in general uh, in their communities. Good morning, Stan. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning. Uh, I thought the state already had preemption laws that the state legislature is the only ones that can set gun, gun laws in this state. That was found to be unconstitutional, uh, was uh, knocked down, and now the state tried it again. The governor vetoed it. Hmm. Well, that law has been in effect for a long time. So why all of a sudden unconstitutional? I do not know what led to the legislature needing to do that. I would suggest you talk to John Gordner during the Greater Sussman Valley okay. Chamber uh, of Commerce, Governmental up. Affairs. Yeah, I'll look it up. But I would say, Stan, look also, just mentioned about the energy situation. It's where local municipalities can't discriminate. So the situation is when do you have a state law and when do you have local laws? And where, I guess, where's the line going to be constitutionally uh, from well, that? Well, that becomes a problem because uh, if you start have hodgepodge of uh, local laws, exactly. a person coming from another part of the state into that area may violate the law unknowingly. Yes, and that's, well, it's that's hard enough point. to cross that, that's state That's the problem. Lines. That's why the preemption law was in effect. Yeah, so, but that's that's not why I called. Yeah, and Stan, I'd like to. I mean, I I, I think I missed you on the Fox Network last night, but you were commentating <laughs> on the uh, on the, our President Biden being up in New York, and I was traveling yesterday, so I heard. A couple of minutes of the uh, on the mark show and it w- interesting that uh, your comment was here's what joe biden will talk about and that's exactly what he talked about guns guns well, guns that, never criminals 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 that's right and the criminal is a problem but you know joey joey sat there and lied a lot but his first one he, he was telling his little story about how he moved to delaware and he went to the catholic school i can't remember the name of the catholic school but Everybody he knew either became what? Uh, a, a policeman, a fireman, or a priest. And he wasn't qualified for e- none of those, yet here he is. <laughs> well, quite frankly, I don't think he's qualified for where he's at right now. Well, where was where was Corn Pop? <laughs> he was at the swimming pool with his chain. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, he's, he's twice the age limit, so we know he's qualified in that regard. In what way isn't he qualified? <laughs> First, you'd have to have something upstairs to be qualified. But that's a whole other story. We won't go there. 
Uh, but he started lying, okay? None of, none of what he wants to do will violate the Second Amendment. People couldn't buy when the Second Amendment was uh, written, couldn't own cannons. Well, that's a lie, because people could own cannons. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, so that that's a lie. And, and he's so scared of ghost guns. Well, people have been building guns in their homes for since the inception of time. Weapons and guns in their home for their own personal use. It is criminal. I don't care whether it's a ghost gun or a gun that somebody bought off the street or somebody bought at a de- dealer as a straw purchase and gave to a criminal. That's already all illegal. So let's enforce the laws that are on the books now. And, and he complains about the dealers, that the rogue gun dealers that are moving guns into the other states. Well, if they know this is happening, why aren't they arresting these rogue gun dealers? I don't have a problem with that. There are laws that we have to follow. But obviously people aren't following the laws, but we aren't prosecuting. Same thing goes for a person in a local area. You see in the paper every now man arrested for falsifying uh the 4473 when he tried to buy a gun illegally because he was a felon but you never it's always local prosecution never federal prosecution those are federal laws and violations what, what's anything? the deal he, he's complaining he wants all this done but he, they never prosecute the criminals in your view did he say anything that makes sense that we sh- that should be implemented like stopping the uh, you know import of illegal guns into a municipality it's already illegal. Yeah, enforce it's the illegal. Laws. Enforce so, the so laws. what's he going to do? Make another law that's already on the books that, so he can feel good? Oh, we made, we made a law that made this illegal. It's already illegal. Yeah, but Stan, the, Catch the part, them, prosecute them. Yeah, the part of it is the three step or four steps. You know, there's the crime, there's the arrest, there's a the prosecution, and then there's the prison term of some sort. So, if you don't, any one of those four that doesn't work, as we're seeing. You know, people do the crime. Police are somewhat suspect to arrest people anymore because, you know, what's going to happen? Accused of, accused of racism. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I mean, the cops do their job. They arrest the people. They turn them over to the DA to prosecute. And a lot of times they say, eh, it ain't serious enough. Or they plea bargain the gun crimes away. Oh, I'm sorry. There is no such thing as gun crimes. All right. The gun charges. The charges against them for illegal use of a firearm. Okay, that's what they plea bargain away so they can get a conviction on a plea deal, yeah, and then the gun, Stan, the laws that they break with the gun about the guns just kind of go into the shadows, never to well, be it's seen the same again. Narrative. It's the same narrative as when you have there's an accident, and the newspaper, the media will say SUV causes accident. Okay, I guess the SUV was driverless. Or my favorite is snow caused an accident. It's snowing, and snow caused yes. several accidents in the valley. It's like, no, driving too no, fast that, it, in it the was snow. Ice this morning, Mark. Yeah, so I think your term <laughs> is if you put a, a firearm in the corner and it stays in the corner, never falls, never touched, it's not going off. And it takes I, I, can, some I can show thing. you several hundred that haven't moved in years, <laughs> but, but that don't affect anything or anyone. Are they for sale? I may go pick one up every now and then to look at it, but other than that, they don't move. Are but they, they for sale? They don't harm. Yeah, mark, Mark's in what? the market. Yeah, I need a... a uh, none of them are for sale. Sorry, they're not mine. Mark not is for really sale. looking for a cannon, <laughs> though, since uh, the president talked about it. But the, the point, and people might, you know, no, no, the point is if you if you have laws and they're not enforced, 
most likely people are going to break those laws. And when people see other people breaking laws, and, and someone says, well, what, what's, a, what's shoplifting? Shoplif- no, shoplifting is... is Any crime. Yes, but it's very important to the people who own that shop or own that business. And when you Absolutely. start creating laws where you can, you're not going to be prosecuted for under $900, as San Francisco did, look what happens. Folks, look around. If the cities were that well run, they would be promoting themselves. They're trying to hide the fact that they're inefficient. They're trying to hide the fact that the hypocrisy on masking, as we just saw in California with the uh, governor and the mayor of San Francisco and the mayor of uh, Los Angeles, who who stops breathing when he takes his mask off, holds his breath. I mean, the hypocrisy runs deep. But why these are happening in blue cities controlled by Democrats, if their laws and their protocols for governing and leadership are so well, they would be promoting this. All right, we got ahead. Road scan. You get a stand. You get thirty seconds more. Go right ahead. All right. Biden said he's going to do this, that, and that with Garland. They're going to have their task strike force and all. Criminals don't care what laws they violate. Plain and simple. That's why they are called criminals. People need to get that through their thick skulls. They're not law-abiding businessmen in the category at the jail. So, All right. Thank you so much, Stan. Thanks for calling in. Keep us informed. Very much appreciate it. All right. Quickie break. Hold on, Bob. We'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarket.com. Text us at 70236. Uh, The question is, are there any gun laws that we can impose that would make us safer? A lot of Republicans and Democrats say yes. Uh, A lot of folks say no. You asked that question 10 years ago. Well, yeah, we got a lot of good answers too, but none have. Where are we today? None have changed. Nothing has changed. No, I think guns are uh, probably uh, um, uh, more deregulated today than more significantly regulated, in my opinion. And we still got carry. You know, we talked about you, you won't know what's going on when you go into a municipality. We do need a national carry law where you, every every municipality, every state's the same. You know, if if they have to raise the threshold a little bit, let's do that, or at least to get a national carry permit. All right, to be continued. We'll be right back. Your cubbies could be, uh, be taking some days off. Uh, you're going to make me tear up. Come on, Kevin. This is the best Olympic Steve Jones halftime ever. Steve Jones, 10 years, but again, Mark, hopefully the... Uh, hmm? Hopefully Major League Baseball gets worked out so they can get down pitchers and catchers <laughs> this month. Uh, I guess what? I know they're not going to get it worked out. Uh, or we're we're going to be idle for a long time. What, are they all watching the Olympics? All right, Bob, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, listening to your conversation, the last caller about uh, guns and crime. And, you know, thinking about, I've thought about this many, many times. And is it possible that there could be a root cause of these problems. And it's not just one cause, but I think there really is a root cause. And it's, uh, well, just give you an example. Let's, let's just say this first. I'm 76. So when I was a young fellow, and I've been a hunter all my life, I've had guns all my life, I've been in the service, etc. You know, people, young boys took guns in their cars and they go hunting before school. I was hunting before school, sometimes right after school. And there weren't anything such as, you know, school shootings. Uh, Homicides were minuscule compared to what they are now. 
So in that, in that period of time, what's, what's changed? So think about it. They talk about the greatest generation. The greatest generation was the greatest generation because families were more intact. There were two parents in the house. Discipline was important. You know, kids had responsibilities. There was no internet. There was, there was none of this social media. So if you, if you look in prisons and you find how many of those prisoners, violent prisoners, are from fatherless families. Great percentage. So what's changed? The family's changed. So if kids aren't raised with discipline and love, right, and, and the thing of it is, you know, you don't hear our politicians, you know, they, they talk about taking the guns away. But then nobody talks about the importance of family. Nobody talks about the importance of, of discipline, of responsibility. So if there's a root cause, that's the root cause right there. The breakdown. But then of the there's family. other causes. There's other causes too. You know, societal devaluing human life. You know, all this business on on the internet and what kids are exposed to see on their phones and whatnot. There's a lot to it. But if there's a root cause, that's it. Well, and what? Let's let's define what American families look like today. We have a lot of single parents out there, a lot of single men and single women that are raising kids. But a lot of them are raising up kids that are super smart, responsible, joining the military, doing what it takes to be good citizens. So we know that uh, single parents. So you know the changing dynamic within the family. What's happening in a family? Let's let's look at a single a single mom raising a great kid that turns out to be a great uh, student, a young man. Or young woman that joins the military and just is a superlative kid all the way around. What's that mom doing that other parents might not be doing? I would say in that, in that particular case, there's probably other influences on that, on that young person besides the mother. But if, if the kids go wrong and they get in with the wrong group, if there's no father in the house for discipline, when they get to be, you know, they're young, you can, you can handle them. But when they get to be teenagers and they want to go down the wrong road, what, what does a mother do? You know, sure there's those instances, but it's far, far better to have two people in the house. And the nuclear family is what makes this country great. That is the cell of our, of our nation, is the nuclear family. Sure. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not putting down single-parent families. You know, it's, just, it's too bad, but it's much, much better to have a man, a father, and a mother to raise those kids because it takes more than a mother most times those kids get older they get into things mother can't control them dad can control them better but both they both together control them even better all right well thank That's you my point. yeah really appreciate it thanks for the observations uh, you know, we hope uh, contemporary young people can contribute to this conversation we'd love to uh, have a uh, more words about this uh, one of our listeners says what does the father have to do with discipline at this particular woman's house she's the disciplinarian your thoughts well, on that? Uh, that sure, that could be, sure. Sometimes mothers are, are more discipline, uh, disciplinarian. But I'm talking about in general. I'm talking about in general. Generally, the, the fathers are the disciplinarian, but sometimes the mothers are. But it takes two. It takes right. two. It's better to have two. And right. it should be promoted by our government, by our clergy, by the media. It's very, very important that our families are strong. That's important. It's important how kids are raised. They have to be raised right. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, there, you can't have an argument on that. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate the yeah. call. And, and part of that pro- situation is that strong families. All right. Don't have to rely on the government. One eight hundred seven wants you to rely on them. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We're in a hurry. We got a lot to do in a short amount of time. We do have officially on our winter net now. Sealands Grove at Central Mountain boys basketball officially postponed until two ten. So go ahead and program your smartphone or your smart TV so you can watch it on the SBC Sports Live YouTube channel. That'll be on February tenth. So next week we're going to try to get that in. Uh, just a one week postponement. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The Isley Brothers in 1968 or something? <laughs> no. No, it's from the 1988 Seoul Olympic soundtrack that had Whitney Houston's One Moment in Time. Okay. This was for the Four Tops, Indestructible. A minor hit in the uh, late 80s, but uh, great great message songs on that soundtrack. Is Absolutely. That, well, uh, say, listen, well done this week. We really appreciate yeah. your producing. We Thank know you. you. We know you're far far behind on all your work as yeah, a result. Gotta, I, I haven't done any other work. That's the Olympics' Ben Johnson sort of uh, messed up, correct, Kevin? Uh, the the Olympic the eighty eight Olympics. Yes, it might be. I don't I don't remember. I I, I think that's isn't that the Kerry Strug year too? Yeah, but he ran fast. He ran too much. He ran too fast on some items that he shouldn't have been ingesting. Oh, well, that's a whole different topic, oh, then, wow. isn't it? Okay, who knew? All right, Lance. Thank you so much for your patience. Really appreciated. You're on the mark. Why? Well, uh, Anyway, you see there the bobsled team there uh, at the Olympics, you know, for the USA. They uh, named their sled Biden. I thought it was pretty patriotic. Until they said the reason why they did it. They said, well, you know, if you want something to go downhill fast. <laughs> That's a good one. Actually, I thought they just misspelled Bodine. <laughs> That's it. The old sleds used to be, used to be a Bodine sled. Well, at least they didn't name it Brandon. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been good. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, now, they're at the Olympics. I called about this before. There is a girl who is on the Chinese team that is an American that is going for it for the Chinese. Correct. And when when she's interviewed, why it is because she wants to represent her mother's town you know, where she came from there in China. And I can't help but wonder if they kind of lean on the kid and said, now you go out there and really do a good job and we'll do nice things for your town. And if you don't, well, we do nasty things for your town. It's just like, 
the uh, person there that was a... Uh, well, that would be reprehensible. Yeah. Well, well, the, the story is she did that. You're right, because it was her mother's native country. So that's why she wanted to represent China. But she's also making tons of money in endorsements in China. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's going to go good. But if you don't, I'm sure it would go the other way. <laughs> I mean, well, Lance, we had a professor on earlier. And, you know, Mark, I looked when he made the comment that he thought the... Communist Party had 90% approval off the air. I'm thinking they better have 99.9% approval because if you're not a approval of your of the Chinese government and you're in China, you might not be there. I got the impression from him he's either one or two things. He's either a totally naive moron or second, he is a shill for the Communist Party. One or the other. Well, I, mean, I, I think he has, think, he has family me, back he in China. He'd like to get back to now at all, yeah. ever, because the whole idea is uh, world domination. Let ten thousand flowers bloom. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. When when the Chinese, everybody, yeah, we get all the good ideas out here, and they open, and then anybody that doesn't agree with me is kunk. Yeah, when I they mean, come out, and their strategic plan is to be the sole superpower of the world, economically, military, when they flat out say that and people don't quite understand that, uh, then there, there's some interpretation problems. Yeah, I mean, when you know uh, what they were doing, all you have to do is read their book. All right, we got you, Lance. Thank and, you. So, and 90% ahead. of the people in agreement with that? Yeah. And the only reason why anybody was lifted out of any kind of poverty is because we did it for them. By we, I mean the capitalist world. Yeah, by buying capitalist money that got invested in there. It wasn't anything that that Communist Party ever did. Right, by buying everything they ever made. It was done less expensively by them, which we appreciated. All right, thank you so yeah. much, Lance. Yeah, right. It's a but big who conversation. Was, who was doing it? Who was the company? Why didn't they do it before? They couldn't get the communist um, ideas did not produce all that, all those products. You understand? Yep, sir. They embrace the commun the uh, capitalist idea, but then, <laughs> well, they're using it for some very vile purposes. I enjoyed Dr. Drew's opinions, and I and I think uh, this idea that there is hope. I don't <laughs> see it in the future. He does. He's certainly more informed than me, so we'll stick with that. Thank you, Lance. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Appreciate that. One of our listeners sends us a note. If you put a box of hand grenades or dynamite in a corner and don't touch them, nothing will happen either. The question is, should those kinds of things be legal in our society, says Tom. And I stand corrected. The preemption bill vetoed by Governor Wolf was to strengthen the existing preemption law. That's still very much in effect. Uh, one of our listeners says, heard this today. The U.S. bobsled team named their team Biden. Yes, we got that. And, Mark, we do have a national carry law right now. It's called the Second Amendment. Yeah, just make Boom. it consistent state to state. <laughs> uh, hey, Ice Festival Love up in it. Lewisburg. Enjoy, enjoy that. Uh, also, too, uh, interesting, uh, you'll be talking about the uh, Supreme Court picks next week. You're right. going to come out with them. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. Thanks for listening. Next up, the Dan Patrick Show on WKOK.